I'd like to introduce to you my lovely wife, Alison, who's going to bring the word today. I'm really excited. It's, it's a good word. I've had a, I've had a preview. It's good. Am I on? Am I on? Yes. Oh, I'm on so many accessories. <laughs> I'd like you to stand and say hello, Happy New Year to someone near you. Off you go. Go. Sorry, no ma- oh. Okay, rain it in. Rain it in. <laughs> Happy New Year. Welcome to church. If this is your first time at Cornerstone, I'd like to welcome you to this place. My name's Alison, if I haven't met you before. It's 2022. Wow. (laughs) I think mostly people are generally pleased to start a new year. Because we know that last year, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before, though full of great things and joy, fun things, there are some really tough times. And actually, today I wanted to start with an encouragement for us all as we begin this new year to keep looking forward and not back. Because we don't know what this year holds, but we do know that God is in control, that he walks with us, that he's in us, empowering us to do anything that we need to do. And by looking forward, we're resisting the temptation to embrace anxiety, maybe, or the need to be in control of every possibility that might eventuate. But instead, we give our focus to Jesus, our rock. And in Isaiah, he's called the stability of our times. Is he the stability of your time? Lord, I just want to pray right now that may our hearts be ready to receive your word today. Lord, may our attention be on what you are saying and may we be pleasing to you with the things of our heart. Amen. There's been lots of talk this morning about New Year's resolutions, but today I want to talk about the very best, the very best, any day of the year resolution. The very best, any day of the year. Because sometimes we can start New Year's with our very best plans, with the things that we think, oh, I want to change, the things that we want to add in our lives. But very quickly, we waver, don't we? We wane in our resolve. But this best any day of the year resolution can be taken up on any day in any moment with no feelings of regret or failure. A couple of Sundays ago, Isaac preached about, to us about 
choosing life. And he read from Deuteronomy 30, and it had the call for us to choose between life and death. I just want to recap just a few verses that he read out. Sorry, it won't be on the screen, this one. And it starts in verse 15 of chapter 30. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love your God and keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Oh, that you would choose life. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing himself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. When we choose life, we choose to love God and obey him. And we choose life when we choose to love God. And that is the very best any day of the year resolution, to love God. Simply love him. Love him. In the book of Matthew, there's a recount where Jesus is being harassed by some Pharisees who are challenging his authority, questioning his, him in order to trap him and try and find any reason to arrest him. And they asked Jesus in Matthew 22:36, and he says, Jesus, teacher, is what I meant, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment. It's not a demand a requirement that must be carried out. It's the greatest because it's the most important. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. We are to love God with all of who we are. Our entire being, love God. We are not called to a life where we scrape by spiritually year after year after year. We're not called to simply have our faith, but rather desire to be growing, ever growing, and to never stop growing in our faith. Yes, we have hard seasons. And yes, we feel weak. And there are times when we feel like we are literally running on empty. God doesn't want us to settle for a threadbare relationship with him. He doesn't want us to just read our, to read our Bible just enough, to pray just enough, to believe just enough, to hope just enough, to grow just enough, to love just enough. He isn't a minimalist God. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He is a God of abundance and of more than enough. And I believe that there's a call for us as we begin this new year, this 2022, 
to be resolved in nothing like we are resolved in loving God, to really love him, to give him our attention and our affection, to pour out our devotion to him. It's our opportunity to abandon our minimalist approach to God and to love him with all of our hearts, minds and souls. There is one thing, however, that stops us or hinders us from loving God like that. And it's us. Now, in your life, I'm sure that you're aware of people um, who you know well, that you know the things that they really love. Say, for example, you live with someone who really loves fishing. They have a well-maintained boat, but just so you know, I'm not talking about my husband. A well-maintained boat, because he doesn't have a well-maintained boat. <laughs> a well-maintained boat, just picture, well-maintained boat. They have all the equipment that they need. They have um, a system for their clean-up and their storage. They have their clothes that they like to wear. And, and everything is important to them. They love it. And they give it their attention. They care for it. We can see by the time that is given and the money that is spent that they love it. Now, my husband, Matthew, because it's my turn to pick on him, because I'm here. Now, my husband, Matt, and my father-in-law, and actually my mother-in-law, a lot of the family love birds. Like, really love them. They count them, they record them. They know birds by the, how they look, how they, the noises, the call, the no, what do you say, the things that they, comes out, of, anyway, the call of them, of the birds. And as a result, we have this amazing aviary being built in our home, at our house, with the plan to breed budgies and other birds. Now, this aviary has been designed for, planned for, materials measured, chosen, delivered, carefully organised for quite some time. And to be honest, it's actually really amazing. It is, it's really amazing. The aviary is very important to our family and it's going to bring much joy to our family, including the rising fellow twitchers in the house. But can I say, as a side note, that I can just as easily see that the laundry in our house is not loved as loved for. Mount Washington in our house is not cared for. It is not loved. It is not desired to spend lots of time and money on. It's not nearly loved as much. I say all of this in jest, but my point is, is that we can easily see the things that people love, the things that matter to them, and we can see the things, on the other hand, that perhaps don't have as much as importance and perhaps are a little bit more neglected. P.S. Matthew does lots of washing. <sighs> this morning I want to actually take a little bit of a look through the book of Hosea, just a few verses, as we consider this best any day of the year resolution to love God. And I'll just look at a couple of sections today, but I want to encourage you, if you have time, to read it in your own time, the whole book. It's, it's, quite a, it's a little book of the Bible. Now, if you're unfamiliar, the book of Hosea is about, is about a man named Hosea who is told by God to marry a prostitute 
even though inevitably she would be unfaithful to him. And in Hosea 1 verse 2, God says, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshipping other gods. So Hosea does what God asks of him and he marries Gomer, a prostitute, and they have a family and before long she's unfaithful and leaves Hosea and the family. So God then tells Hosea to go and get her back, buy her back, and not only buy her back, but love her again. And it's at this point in Hosea 3 verse 1 that says, this, God says, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Hosea did exactly what God asked. He went and he got his wife back. He paid a sum of money to buy back his bride and he loved her again. Now the whole point of Hosea is that it is a picture for us of God's relentless love for his people despite their unfaithfulness and their worship of other things. And as we look through Hosea, there are many times that God calls out his people, calls people out on their lack of love for him. And he says these things. O Israel and Judah, in chapter 6, 4, what should I do with you, says the Lord, for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. Israel has forgotten its maker. For you have been unfaithful to your God, worshipping other gods on every threshing floor, everywhere. The hearts of the people are fickle. They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. Our love for God as God's people can be, can be unfaithful and fickle and like the morning mist, got here one day and gone the next. The problem is us. But it's not a behaviour problem. It's not about what we do. It's a heart problem. Now, in the early years when I first became a parent, gee, I sound so old, in the early years, I was really, I chose to be very intentional in seeking wisdom from those who had gone before. And one of the most helpful pieces of information that I was given and encouraged by was to be always parenting to the heart. It's so easy in our human nature to want to fix our kids' behaviour, but the encouragement to me was to be less about behaviour modification and more about heart transformation. And in fact, they went so far as to say, oh, be happy when your children misbehave. Because it's actually giving you insight, it's showing you where their heart is at and where, you need to, where work needs to be done. Because we know that from our hearts, our, all our words and actions flow, right? And in the Bible, the heart is talked about it as the control centre, the directional system, because whatever controls our hearts controls our words and our behaviour. So when we read in Hosea about 
Israel's vanishing love for God, their forgetting of him, their fickle hearts, their empty promises, their unfaithfulness by seeing things more worthy of their love and attention, we see our hearts. And our hearts are exactly the thing that Jesus died to save us from. God knew that we needed to be rescued, so he sent his son, the rescuer. And Jesus came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And in order for our wayward hearts to love God in the way that he was meant to be loved, we need rescue. And so God sent Jesus, his only son, and exposed him to the harsh realities of this world. He lived in the middle of brokenness and he had to face his own temptations. And yet, he perfectly loved and obeyed the Father. It was him who died, who took our sin upon him, and paid for our sin, not with silver, but with his life. His life. So that we can have hope for our heart problem. So that our love for self would be defeated and replaced by love for God. So that our unfaithfulness to God would be replaced by fully loving him. In Hosea 11.8, God says, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. God will never, ever turn his love off or turn away from his people. No matter how far we've moved from him, our lack of care for him or neglect in knowing him or in loving him, the way that we focus on ourselves. He loves us. That's what I want us to hear today. God's deep love for you. Does your heart need reminding that he will not give up on you and he will not let you go? Are you feeling um, maybe a little disengaged from God's love for you? Do you carry so much hurt and wound, woundings, and feel too numb to even feel God's love for you? Is God loving you something that you have never thought of, that's new for you? Maybe something you're only just discovering. Do you feel so run down and weary that you just can't see it? Well, I have some good news for you today. Here in Matthew 11, it says some beautiful, well-named verses of Jesus. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. First of all, if you are weary, if you carry burdens, 
you are exactly who qualifies to come to Jesus because we don't need to unburden ourselves or collect ourselves or be in some fine state (laughs) to come to Jesus. It's our very weariness and our hopelessness, our heavy burdens that qualify us to come to him. But the main thing that I want to point out from these verses is the heart of Jesus. Because this is Jesus talking about his own heart. And apparently in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there's about 89 chapters in total, this verse is the only place that Jesus describes his own heart. And if the heart is like what we said earlier, the thing that guides what we do and what we say, then Jesus Jesus chooses above all possible qualities to describe, self-describe his heart as humble and gentle. Jesus is humble and gentle at heart. His heart posture is not a wagging, pointing finger. His heart posture is open-armed. And I, I don't know what you may have experienced in life or maybe even what your upbringing has been. But when it comes to God, sometimes God can be, be portrayed as harsh and hard to please and hard of heart. But he personally describes himself as the opposite. With open arms, he says, Come. I can give you what you need. I love you. My heart is always humble and gentle. I want you to come as you are. And like those verses in Hosea, he says, oh, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? That's his heart for you. And when we choose to turn and return to Jesus, and respond to his call to worship him alone, to give him our focus and our attention, to be faithful to him, to refuse other idols, the distractions, the things that bide for our attention. We choose close fellowship with a God who is humble and gentle at heart and who will not let us go or give up on us. Isn't that an amazing reality to be sustained by? Isn't that sure enough reason for us to have this best any time of the year resolution to love God. Love him. At the end of Hosea in chapter 14, there's this beautiful promise. And this is what it says. The Lord says, Then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It it will send roots deep down into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will live again under my shade and they will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. Lebanon. Do you need his healing today for your unfaithfulness towards him? 
Do you need his refreshing? Do you desire deeper roots in him? Do you desire to live and flourish? Then turn, return to him. Love him unwaveringly. Now in Hosea 10, 12, it says, Now is the time to seek the Lord. When is the time to turn to God? When is the time to seek the Lord? Now. Now is the best and the right time to return to God. Not after you get that promotion or you've paid off your mortgage or after you go on that holiday or after your kids are a little bit bigger and a little bit less mischievous or when you head back to work after some leave or when you finish work and go on some leave or when you feel more emotionally stable or when you finish your study or when you have more time, now is the time to love God. It's always the right time to turn to him. And this is what is called out in Hosea, starting at chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on, press on to know him. Oh, Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. Come, let us return to the Lord. I'd like to invite the musos up just a little bit earlier this morning. They can get ready to lead us in our last song. Thanks, guys. But I wanted just to finish, wrap this up, this call for the best any day of the year resolution to love God by reading some verses from Psalm 63. Now, these verses are written by David and the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. And it's David's heart that we see in these verses and his heart will only be satisfied by God. For David, the essence of what it means to love God is to be satisfied by him to cling to him, to stay close to him, to see him, to praise him. David loved God. I'd like to invite you to stand, you guys, to stand. <laughs> I know, <gasps> she's asking us to stand, stand. And I want to ask you one more thing. I would like you to read with me out loud this psalm, Psalm 63, as our worship together for our great God. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. 
I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands up to you in prayer, and you satisfy me more than the richest feast, and I will praise you with songs of joy. Is the rest of it not there, Amelia? Amelia? Is the rest, is there another slide? No? I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast, and I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you for your right hand holds me securely. Oh God, we love you. May our worship of you in this very moment be as incense and pleasing to you, God. We worship you and we love you, Lord. We love you, we love you. Lord, you know where we're at, the parts of our hearts that are hurting and where we're struggling. And Lord, we just give you those parts. Lord Jesus, you are the lifter of our heads and the giver of all that we need. And Lord, as we start a new year, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, help us to refuse to settle for just enough and to earnestly seek you more. Bring us to a place where our love for you burns brightly where our devotion to you is faithful and unwavering through all seasons. We return to you. May you and you alone be glorified in all that we do. Amen. And as we wrap it up, as always in this place, we invite anybody who'd like to come forward for prayer. Mandy and Lenny, we'd love you to pray if you can with people um, this morning. If you'd like prayer, will you come forward? It can be about returning to God, about this best New Year's Year's resolution. No, the best any day of the year resolution to love God. Maybe you'd like some prayer for that to be your focus this year. But come, if you have things you need prayer for, please come. There's many people in this building who would love to pray with you. Please come.